All right, welcome back to another exciting episode of our study of First Peter being tested by fire. And I guess everybody's been waiting for this. I'm the one being tested today. Yes, is that you the are. way this is yes, going to work? Well, I want to hear what you have to say about the day of visitation. I am just so excited to if, hear what you have to say. If you recall, my dear friend and, and shepherd over here decided to throw down uh, the challenge in the gauntlet with respect to the day of visitation. I was hoping to just move right on, but here it is. Let's talk about it. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2, and so that's where we'll pick up with the challenge here in verse 12. What is the day of visitation? Now, first thing that came to my mind, all right, you ready for this? Yes. The day of visitation when I was growing up was Thursday. Did you know that? Thursday. Okay. Thursday's the day of visitation. That's right. when my parents would always go visiting. <laughs> Thursday night was visiting I can, night. I can see this yeah. is going to be in depth. That's it. That was the day of visitation. Okay. And so, uh, you know, they would go visiting on Thursday night. They would take one of us kids with them, and they would get a babysitter for whoever was left behind at the home, and they would hit the hospitals or go see somebody, and that was the day of visitation. Probably not what Peter meant, but that's what it meant to uh, me. Yeah, I, I can understand. <laughs> you, you made a scriptural term of visitation into something that's very practical. We, we did. And yeah. so, you know, that's probably more the visiting that comes from yes. Matthew 25. Yes. This day of visitation is really kind of interesting. Uh, when you go and study it, I found a couple of references in Scripture uh, to this, uh, whether it was in the Gospel of Luke, but also in Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 10, verse 3, refers to it as a day of reckoning yes. in, in that regard. And so I would say it's safe to assume that when this day is mentioned here, it's it's in the day that the Lord is presented to people and they know who He is. Uh, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. That comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. Uh, that, that's, that's Matthew chapter 5, that men may see your good deeds and glorify God. So two trains of thought from some scholars is the day of visitation is when they see your good deeds and glorify God, that's the day that their awareness and they know God and God appears to them that way. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Or it's just the day of judgment, which our good friend and brother uh, Gerald would just simply say, it's judgment, now move on. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and when I see that term day of visitation, I certainly see the Lord being involved. Yeah. And I don't think we would be wrong in saying our interpretation there of the day of visitation could be Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. um, but I, as I read scholars on this, uh, there's different interpretations sure. by them. Uh, Lenski says it's the day that the perpetrator here, the one who has been slandering, is visited, like you just said, uh, his knowledge of the Lord, and he really realizes what they have been doing is right in their day of visitation. The, the Lord has been presented to them, and they, in fact, uh, come over to the other side. Kind of like an ex, too. Yes. You know, they yes. cry out, what yes. shall we do? Well, the Lord visited them that day. Right. They, they knew that they needed to change their life. That's right. And so... Um, that's, an, that's, a, that's hard not to look at it yeah. that way. I, I, am, I am fine there because as I have looked at, the, at Judgment Day, Yes, we're all going to be falling on our knees, and we're all going to be in awe. But I, my suspicions are that those who are 
the slanderers in this case are probably not going to be thinking about those individual Christians that they had slandered over time. Mm -hmm. They're going to be wondering what can they do to change the course of what's going on. And they will be glorifying God. Sure. Uh, and will they be thinking back to the, the Christians that they had uh, that they had slandered and said, oh, mercy, they were, they, were, they, were right. they were right. They were right. And so, yes. Well, that is a day of visitation. Yeah. Judgment clearly yes. is going to be that So, day. yeah. I, I'm fine with either interpretation. It, it's, it may be one of those things that Peter would say at the end of Peter that Paul wrote some difficult things that were hard to interpretation. But if you looked at the scripture, you might come to a conclusion. Well, he's done the same he's thing. He's done the same thing. Uh, but wouldn't it be that ultimately the point here is encouraging Christians, if you go back to verse 11, and we're still in 1 Peter 2, you're a sojourner, this world is not your home. As we say in the song, we're just passing through. So you keep your conduct as honorable as possible among the Gentiles, among the unbeliever would be the context there, so that they will see your good works, yeah. and therefore they will turn to God, uh, that the knowledge of God, the understanding, that you can be an instrument to lead them to the Lord, whether that, it's favorably before the Lord comes or in almost a, a reckoning way, okay, on the day of judgment. I think the encouragement to us would be just that. Mm -hmm. You're out in the world today. People see you behave. They hear your language. They see your dress. Uh, they see what you're doing. They see how you interact with people. And if you are different in a kind and gentle way, you may get people to be thinking, well, why are you behaving that way? Why are you acting that way? And so that can be a teaching moment just by how we behave. And being different. That's a great segue into where we're headed now. Well, exactly. There is nothing more different than what we're going to see beginning in verse 13 and going through the end of the chapter. This is different. He is now going to take what he has said generally and apply it specifically. Now, I'm going to show you how you're going to be different. Yeah. And right off the bat, when he starts talking about you, you, <laughs> you submit to these institutions who, by the way, are going to be running after you to kill you, the, the, this is interesting. All right. And so... Uh, go ahead and read. We'll Here we go. All right, we're getting into it now. We're in First Peter chapter two. This is verses thirteen, and we're just, I'll just read to the end of the chapter. Yes. Is that okay? Keep it all in context. And boy, you talk about here is the crux of the matter. Here is the challenge. And and bear in mind our context. We're speaking to Christians who are about to be persecuted or who already are entering into that persecution time frame of where the government is bearing down on them and they are being challenged for their faith. So here we go, verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 2. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governor as one sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor 
the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin, you are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer, for it you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. As these Christians are reading this letter uh, from Peter, maybe for the first time, or maybe it's being read aloud in the service, well, here's a letter from Paul. Let's sit down and hear this. He gets to verse 13 and through 17. I, I know picturing some of us in our... <laughs> we'd be raising our hand. Would you reread that? Uh, Am I missing what he just said? Yeah. You left out a few words. Yes. Uh, be subject not to those yes. who are bearing down on you. Uh, and, and, and the staggering thing... This is their calling. Um, if you'll notice, and when you get down to verse 21, Peter says, this is your calling. Well, we hear a lot about callings. Yeah. Uh, as, as a minister, I have people ask me all the time, well, when did you get your calling? When did yeah. it come? Well, personally for me, it was nothing miraculous. It wasn't like all of a sudden the clouds parted or somebody spoke to me in a way. But all of us have been called. This is our occupation. This is your reason. And, and what Peter says, this is our calling yes. to suffer graciously. Now, that's different. You want to be different and stick out in the world? That's different. And he begins with human institutions. Now, is there anything more imperfect than a human institution? <laughs> it, it's when you read... When you read in verse 14, mm -hmm. this is God's purpose for government, i.e., they are to punish, be, evil. punish yeah. evil and praise those who do right. Such is the will of God. That is government in essence. That's why he's put government on this earth. And that's why we try to have governments today who are supposedly doing that, at least in this country. Mm -hmm. But he goes on to say, we obviously should be following them though, and those, under those mm -hmm. kind of circumstances. But it's a step further up here in verse 13. Now, when I read an Acts, I, I, I'm going to give a caveat here. I'm going okay. to read an Acts where the Jews had been telling Peter and John, what? You're to stop. Mm 
you're to stop. And Peter then goes yeah, on stop, to say, stop yeah, preaching Jesus. Stop, stop preaching, preaching Jesus. Jesus. You stop doing that. And Peter then goes on to say, am I supposed to listen to you as my government or am I supposed to listen to God? So if there is to me a situation where they are totally opposing what God has instructed us to do, then are we going to be doing that? What he's saying here is, this government may be coming after you personally. Um, and all you're doing is submitting to their rule. Mm -hmm. um, now, when they tell you you're going to quit worshiping the Lord, now, John tells you in Revelations what? Well, you're supposed to be faithful unto death. Correct. I mean, if you go <coughs> ahead and say to the government, I am not going to forsake the Lord. Well, that may cost you your life. But the point is, when, when you suffer, like you're going to suffer. If you, if you draw that line right. and you say, okay, I'm not going to bow down, kind of like suffer. Daniel, right. I'm not bowing down, I can't do that. Right. You're going to suffer. You suffer graciously. You're not saying evil things about the government. Right. You're not going out and now taking the sword. You're not reviling you, because you've you, been reviled. That's right. right. You are not doing that. And so that's... That's our purpose. I mean, that is a Christian's purpose to behave and be like Christ on this earth. And Christ was marched to the cross, uh, carried his own cross, and forgave those people who put him on the cross. And that's our example. Yeah, there's your example. Uh, here's, here's what's kind of interesting, too. If I'll, I'll go ahead and jump to this. You'll notice uh, Peter, at the end of this chapter, gives us great definition into our Lord Jesus and what he means to us. Verse 21, he's our example. In other words, you walk in his shoes. You do what he did. You respond how he responded. You suffer how he suffered. He's your example. Verse 24, he's your redeemer. He, he's the one who bore your sins. And why did, he, why did he endure all that? For us. For us. He redeems us. He's our sacrifice. Uh, you, you also see that implied in verse 24 in the idea that he is the one who died for us. He's our sacrifice. Uh, verse 25, he's our shepherd. Uh, we are following yes. the shepherd in this regard when our attitude mirrors our Lord. And, and then lastly, he's the overseer of our souls. This is his means of looking out for us. Uh, it's the uh, Greek word that we also get the word bishop. He's the bishop of our souls. He, he's the one who is guarding and protecting your soul. And here he says, this is how I want you to do it. Be like me. And it sticks out. Uh, and, and again, remember where we started this, so that they may glorify God when they see your good deeds. These are the good deeds. Uh, contrary to popular thought, the good deed isn't me just being super, super benevolent and just throwing a lot of money at something. And, and although that's great, and that's certainly a biblical principle, the good deed here is to be staggeringly, just staggeringly different from the world in how you suffer. Well, in verse 17, yeah. if there's anybody exemplifies verse 17, it was Christ. Honor all men. True. Love the brotherhood. And love the brethren. Fear God. Certainly. Honor the king. When, when the Jews came to him and said, do we pay these taxes? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He says, give me a coin. Who's on that coin? Yeah. Caesar's face. Okay, 
You render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. You render to God the things that are God. I am sure every zealot in that crowd oh would word. like to have taken the spear and just done him in right at the moment. Well, that's our one of the Messiah. They hated him. Our <laughs> Messiah is supposed to be coming to take out these people, and he's telling them, "You honor Caesar. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes." Well, think of how he responded to Pilate when Pilate goes, yeah. "Don't you know I have the authority yeah. to to kill you or keep you alive?" Jesus, no, no, you, no, you no, don't. No. Guess no. what? I've got that. Authority. I got that authority, <laughs> and I'm and I'm giving it to you. Yes, I'm submitting to. He submits to the one. Who gave him the sentence can, of death? Can you imagine, Pilate? I, I'm not even going to say to his credit, but he went out to the said, guys. Uh, I guess if I don't give you Jesus, you're you're probably going to have a riot here, and I'm probably going to die anyway. So I'm going to take the easy way out. I'm just going to give him to you. But he he's probably saying to himself, well. This guy says he can take me out, yeah. and it sounds like he probably could. So it's either going to be him or these people. I'm going to take my chance. Looking at our Lord, the, the, this is the powerful example uh, that is, is so hard for us. It, it's, it's totally opposite to every one of our natural instincts. Yes. When you are reviled, do not revile in return. Eat it. Yes. Don't don't immediately say what comes to your mind. Don't immediately give the response. Don't immediately jab back, uh, eat it. When you suffer, don't threaten. Don't threaten. You're never going to do that to me again. I'll tell you what, you should, well, be mindful of your Lord, you know. But it ultimately comes down that he entrusted himself to God. There's a bigger purpose here that goes beyond me. And and for Jesus, his biggest pur bigger purpose was to honor the Father, but at the same time, care for us. And and isn't that our desire, that in the way that we suffer, we're showing care and compassion for those that are mistreating us? We don't want them to remain in that ungodly, evil state. I, I need to reach their soul, and here's how you do it. I want them to glorify God as I do. And he, he takes a subset of society in verse 18. These servants here are slaves. Primarily, they're bond slaves. Some of them may have been trying to buy their way out because these people, mm -hmm. but others have probably just been bought. Yeah. And so they are slaves. And I'm not going to go into that institution here, but the Lord had plenty of situations, plenty of times. Even Peter right now could have said, this is a deplorable situation for these people. And it is in our minds. But what he's saying here, if you're finding yourself in that situation, how are you to behave? Yeah. And so even in that deplorable situation, which we cannot approve of as free men, should never approve of that, but here's an apostle, here's the Lord saying what? You be in submission to your masters. And you pray that you have a good master. But if you don't have a good master, you're going to be taking his punishments in a way that you're submissive and honoring God. And I, I just, I can't imagine how you could behave that way. In human nature, that would just be practically impossible. But Peter's saying here, that's how we have to behave. Well, I just kind of consider this last year. <laughs> yes. It, it's, it's been the test for us. Uh, okay, how do we really feel about yeah. this concept of submission? And 
and more importantly, you know, what is our what is our effort and our desire with the way we do things to just establish our own rights? Or are we in the soul winning business? That's right. And 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 what's interesting too is when we get to chapter three, we're not going to go there today. It's about soul winning even within the marriage relationship. Well, you know, the submissive attitude. No, I'm going to jump to verse eight because here's the conclusion of all of these submissions. To sum up, this is chapter three. Yeah, yeah you're on chapter Let three. All be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. That's all of us under any circumstance. He's going to talk about wives and husbands here in mm -hmm. chapter three, but now he's referring right back to all of us with our, our government uh, servants, every one of us. Let's all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. We've been in the last six months, or 16 months, been tested sure. for this. And we have to hearken, each of us, to ourselves and say, how have I been behaving, behaving during this period of time? How harmonious have I been? How, how harmonious have I been trying to act and keep things together? How sympathetic am I am to each brother and how they believe on these particular matters? How brotherly and kind-hearted and humble have I been? And so we've been tested. Sure. And so I don't think we've been tested to where the government's going to take, and take us out or we've got uh, owners uh, who could take us out at any time. We haven't had that, but we do have wives, we do have husbands that need to be listening to what's being said here by Peter. Well, and this is our calling, if I can just yes. get back to that. This, this is what makes us different from the world. Uh, and, and we just do all we can to have the same attitude and demeanor of our Lord. And, and, and really, you're, you're even in the midst of trial, Still in the soul winning business. Yes. Don't forget that. That's don't the whole thing. That. Don't forget that. Yes. That don't look at it as an obstacle. Maybe it's an opportunity uh, when you enter various trials. So he's and, yeah. he's saying he's saying over chapter in verse eight of chapter three, those people you're behaving this way towards Christians, fellow Christians, or uh, verses thirteen and eighteen. These may be non Christians you're obviously dealing with, and you're still being submissive. I see in verses eighteen through twenty, we certainly can in a mild way talk about uh, business owners, uh, employees versus sure. employers. Absolutely, how you work. Uh, and and yeah. it's how you work. How, mm -hmm. how do you behave as an employee of somebody who, uh, you're in a business of, of ownership of somebody owning this, and how do you behave towards him? How do you behave towards your boss? All of these things apply to us today under those circumstances. So we have to be good employees. Mm -hmm. We have to be good employers. What? This is what he's saying to us. And the motivation is this. If I can just look at that verse you were mentioning there, verse 20. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Uh, grace here would be the idea of favorable. Yes. God loves that. Yes. You, you want to grab the Lord's attention and, and, and please yes. Him and be that sweet-smelling aroma? You, you suffer. You suffer in a Christ-like fashion. You, you show sympathy even when it's very difficult and you don't revile and... And you show humility, man. That's honorable to God, because right, it just—it's an emulation of Him. That's who He is. Yes. It's what Jesus did. We, and I, I can—I'll take the shot from people today because they may be coming back at me. But you just think about if we were living during the time of the Revolution. <laughs> oh, 
Now you've gone to meddling, haven't you? No, I'm just saying, where where would we have been? Yeah. And so we think that the revolution of the United States is one of the greatest things that's ever happened. As I look back on it, we became free people. We're we're now governing ourselves. But how would have a Christian been behaving in that period of time? I'm just as happy I didn't have to make that choice because uh, here we are, if we're submitting ourselves to our uh, the government institutions, where we would we have been? So, wow, it, it's it's mind-boggling when we start thinking about what the Lord would want us to do under all of these circumstances. Yeah. But ultimately, just on a day, I'm glad we don't have to answer that one, and yes. we'll just leave that yeah. one there for now. But just on a daily basis, this is how you live your life. Yes. And there's multiple opportunities every day to be this kind of person, to respond to this calling, and to follow in the example of Jesus. That, that's the whole deal. To your government, if you're pulled over for speeding, you take it. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're an owner or if you're a, an employee, you're behaving this way. Uh, this is what God wants out of us. Yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think this is a great chapter. Oh, man, it's a challenging for, chapter. It's a challenging chapter for the Christian to behave like Jesus wants us to behave. And just think, these folks were being persecuted yes. for their faith. They're a- literally persecuted. They would be losing not just their possessions, they'd be losing their lives for their faith. And But I, I will say this, the Lord left, He, he, t- he told uh, the, the apostles that you, you're looking at the signs when you're in Jerusalem. And you know it's about to come down. What does he say to you, to you people? Don't yeah. sit there. Run. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay well, to run. It, it doesn't yeah. mean you don't have to stand there. Yeah, yeah you're okay to run. It's yeah. okay to run. <laughs> you're, and so, yes, we can try to take ourselves out of horrible situations, but if you can't get out of it, what are you to do? You're to behave. You're to be in submission. Yeah. Well, even in Acts, Acts chapter eight, they scattered. Yeah, they, they scattered. Around, you yes. Know, you know, but but ultimately, Jesus said, "In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. I've yes. overcome the world. You overcome the world with the peace if, you have in if Jesus." If you're going to be a child of God, it's not going to be all roses. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you're a child of God, it may be worse than that, because you are a child of God. You're taking on responsibilities that the world will not take on. And that's who we are. That's who we need we're, to be. We're running out of time. No, we're good. But it's all we want to glorify God Yes. for the day of visitation. Yes. <laughs> all right, you got anything else? No. Well, yeah. I think you were going to have another question about angels and... and oh, no, oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we got 30 uh, seconds. Yeah, well, we got reminded. We, we reminded... Uh, about angels and singing, we never went back to that. What does the Bible say about angels and singing? And I've looked and looked and looked, and there's not a passage that says angels sing. So if you're playing Trivial Pursuit in some fun game, that comes up. Does it ever say angels sing? The answer would be no. It doesn't explicitly say that. But you look at the birth of Jesus. You you look at the uh, angels uh, with Mary. You see the rejoicing. You see the praising. I, I'm. You got praise after praise after praise in heaven. If they're voicing that praise or if they're just speaking that praise, yeah. okay. But it, it's interesting to me when I see praise. I guess I think. I think singing. singing. And That's so, just, yeah. uh, and so, I'm going to have to go with you. 
I've got lots of passages where angels are praising. So if we have the trivial pursuit... The and answer would be, no, it didn't say anything. I haven't anything seen a word but. about singing. But. But. Yes. But. So, yeah. there. There you go. Is that okay. there to answer it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for holding us accountable. We appreciate it. And if you have any questions uh, over our studies, any questions over the text, make sure uh, you look at. Uh, just, you know, just re- let us know. Yes. Yeah. Send us something. We love the questions. We'd love to hear it. Love to hear it. All right. You got anything else? No, I just- all right. I'm enjoying this. All right. Well, thank you very, very much. And we'll leave you with this. The admonition that comes from Peter to all of us at all times. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. May that be us. God bless. Amen.